Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, a fun fact, this podcast was actually born out of a newsletter that we started way back in 2012. Yes, that is before Substack was even born. People really seem to like it, and we think you will too, especially if you like this podcast. It is a quick hit list of 10 things we've discovered recently that we love. Everything from recipes to beauty products to books to tools to truly anything that excites us, like an Instagram post we saw and just can't stop thinking about. We send it every Monday, except for some holidays that we take off, like saying people, and it is free. Sign up at a thing or two hq.com. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for a secret menu, which will get you weekly access to members only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. We both heard sayings lately that we were excited about. What'd you say? Yeah. And they feel like a little bit grandma sayings but in a mm-hmm. good way, like charmingly, mm-hmm. charmingly so. Yours was so good. Can you please share Yes. It? Okay. Okay. So someone was telling me about traveling somewhere and being like, everybody was so beautiful and like, so like exotic looking, like dark hair and like light eyes. And she was like, I, I think in New York, I'm like kind of exotic looking. But when I was there, I felt like a potato with no salt. <laughs> it's so good. I want to use it all the time. Like you could describe anything. You could describe a play you just saw. You could describe a dress. You could describe truly anything. It's just a potato with no salt. It was fine. It was a potato with no salt. You know, it was it's fine. It's just a little plain. Yeah. It's just not sad. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just a little plain. Just a little plain. It's not offensive. It's just a potato no, with no salt. of course. Not offensive. Not, nothing yeah. stand out. Nothing yeah. stand out. Oh nothing memorable. I'm obsessed. I want to use potato it all the Potato with no time. salt. The one that- I Googled and I'm like shocked that there's not... I. Listen, when you Google potato with no salt, you you get a lot of low salt potato recipes is what you get. (laughs) Right. So it actually may exist somewhere. It's just that the low sodium folks among us have buried the results for the same. That's right. That's right. It's so good. The one that I heard that I heard before but hadn't heard in so long was not my monkeys, not my circus. Like, it's not my problem. I'm just going to stay out of it. It's a basically like it's a mind your own business. Keep my nose out of things. Yes. Oh, mind your own business. Mm -hmm. Mind your own business. Not my monkeys, not my circus. Yeah, exactly. It's a real quake <laughs> I just loved it. I hadn't heard it in so long. And I was like, 
what a good A life philosophy, but B saying there's just so much joy in it. Like we're talking about not my circuses. Not my circus. And you could say it to a friend, hey, no, stay out of it. Not your monkeys, not your circus. And I just love the idea of it, of like, it's like, well, it's fun. It's It's fun. fun. And this was specifically used in the context of like, if your friend is dating somebody terrible, do you say something to them about it? And I no, you don't, but it's First so good because it's also, no. <laughs> it truly is their circus. It's truly a monkey and a circus. And it's, you're not going to have to tame the monkey. You're not going to have to run the circus. So it's not your problem. And I, I mean, you know, you will have to deal with the monkey a little bit and you will probably have to help. But it's you know, definitely not your monkey. <laughs> you'll have, to, it's definitely not your monkey. You may have to help put the circus back together when it falls apart, help with like pull it out of bankruptcy, but it's still not your monkey. It's not your circus. Incredible. The Incredible. other one that I love that doesn't have the same panache, but I <laughs> I do return to often is my best friend's mom always says, you know, tincture of time, tincture of time. And it's just, she says it to mean, you know, some things are going to be hard or piss you off or make you sad. And the only thing that's going to make it better is the tincture of time. And you just got to trust in it. Trust that, you know, if you're in a fight with your friend, if you're like really upset about something, you can try all the different things. But at the end of the day, it's the tincture of time that's probably going to make it better. And I just love it. Yeah, totally. Can we please hear from listeners what their favorite grandma sayings are? Oh God, that would be a gem. That please, please, please share these. Some of your grandmas have good ones and some of your grandma-like figures have good ones. Yeah. And some and some 25-year-olds in your life who just kind mm-hmm. of talk like grandmas might also. I love it. Yes. I love it. So we wanted to talk about, you know, we've had these conversations about creativity on the podcast and how we're thinking about it and the time we're making for it and all of that. And so we wanted to give a sort of update not around like how we're spending our time or process, but more around just like opening yourself up to creativity in ways you don't expect it to come kind of. Is that fair? Yeah. Like not even necessarily an update, just some thoughts on we were having, yeah. right? Like on- Thoughts um, we were having, things we encountered mm-hmm. that have made us, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. think. Some conversations um, we've been having, sort of where our heads have been at in some yeah. in, around creativity. Because yes. one thing that came up recently- well, and it had come up before because you'd shared it with me before was this this idea from the, from the Steve Martin autobiography. Yes. yes. So there was, a, there was a period where I was listening to a lot of comics, like audiobook memoirs. And Born Standing Up from Steve Martin is really incredible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like one of those people that like we all grew up with, right? But I didn't have a really strong sense of his stand-up career in the 70s and how impactful and momentous all of that was. But one of the things that really stuck with me was this section. He like was on the Johnny Carson show a bunch of times and developed a relationship with Johnny Carson sort of like as much as he felt like a person could because Johnny mm-hmm. Carson was a little bit of a closed book. And during during one of his appearances, he said that Johnny Carson had done a solid impression of Goofy the cartoon dog. He leaned over to me during a commercial, whispered prophetically, you'll use everything you ever knew. He was right. 20 years later, I did my teenage rope tricks in the movie Three Amigos. I love it. He also like incorporated banjo playing Mm -hmm. and and originally like bad banjo playing into his comedy routine and magic tricks because he was obsessed with magic That's what I remembered about Steve Martin, the magic. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Mm -hmm. just like, like purposefully poorly executed like Mm -hmm. magic tricks. And just this idea of like, being open to the things that interest you and like yes. letting yourself like fall down those rabbit holes and being like, yeah, like why not like learn these magic tricks? That's cool. And like, who knows where that will take you? I do think it's one of those things. And it's like, I think I have to watch it as a parent too, because I, you know, I think it's really easy to get critical of yourself or your kids for like, 
is is this hobby or is this interest productive? Is it going somewhere? Is it useful? Do we need to be spending our time on this? Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. You just never know where it's going to lead. And I, I do it to myself all the time of like, why am I watching this trash or why am I spending all this time looking up this thing that has no consequence? But I do think these things just often end up coming into play in ways you don't expect or inspiring you in ways you don't expect or, or becoming the thing, you know, it's like the classic, you know, kid plays video games forever, becomes a video game creator or whatever, you know, yeah, it, yeah, um, yeah. that I think is interesting. I also, I've been getting into better things lately, which is this show that just ended after five seasons from this woman, P- Pamela Adlon. It is so good. She wrote an essay for Harper's Bazaar about it. And she leads with saying, before creating my series in 2016, I was always only ever just an actor. Now I write, direct, and star in my own show, which is both a relief and an enormous amount of pressure. If there's anything anyone can learn from my story, it's don't do just one thing. Don't put all your eggs into one basket. That's what I would tell the 20-year-old me. Don't wait for the phone to ring for acting jobs. Go live your fucking life right now. Do other things. And then she goes on to talk about just like how much she picked up from watching other people do their jobs that ultimately informed the way she runs the set and and the business of her TV show, which I thought was so fascinating and just such a good reminder of like, yeah, you can become so obsessed and consumed with one thing, but you never know where these other things are going to lead you. And like how you're going to, like what opening yourself up to them will do. Like giving mm-hmm. yourself that permission, I mm-hmm. guess, mm-hmm. Um, to be open to those things. Uh, yeah. It, it, It just led us to have a conversation about people who refuse to be hemmed in. And we've both been consuming some content around that of people who are like, just because I do this one thing doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that's the only thing I do or the only thing I care about. And Mm -hmm. like, fuck you if you think it should. And I have been spending time thinking about Judith Jones, who was Julia Child's editor. And she came up in the context of watching the TV show, Julia, that like, is delightful. Like yes. just completely delightful. Your parents loved it. Mm-hmm. Our friend, Madam Adam, loved it. Yes. Felt like if those three people mm-hmm. loved it, then yeah. how could it not be great? The show's not exactly historically accurate in all the okay. ways, but like directionally mm-hmm. like it is. Mm-hmm. And so the things to know about Judith Jones are that she was this like very major, major cookbook editor and like mm-hmm. introduced the world to culinary stars like Julia, of course, but then Marcella Hazan and Madhur Joffrey and Edna Lewis and mm-hmm. just like the the like big, big seminal cookbook authors mm-hmm. of that era. But she started her career translating Camus um, and like the French existentialists. In I English. love it. She dug the diary of Anne Frank out of the slush pile while she was working in Paris. And it was going to be published in French already, but she was pushed really hard for it to be published in English. Incredible. That's how we got the diary of Anne Frank. Wow. Wow. She was, and this is the part that like was just like, yes. Mm -hmm. She was John Updike and Anne Tyler's editor. Mm -hmm like prior to moving into the cookbook space, but continued to be. Mm -hmm. And like a lot, there was like pressure for her to keep doing, you know, these big deal, like award winning, you know, literary stars. Yes. And to forsake the cookbook stuff because like, what -hmm. does that matter? Right. And she was like, well, I'm just going to do both. And like John Updike still appreciates my work and Mm -hmm. Julia Child appreciates my work. And why not both? both things? Yeah. I love it. I, lo- I had no idea. I only knew her for her food world reputation. Yeah, it's that's a huge, I mean, that is like, that is what she is most known for. But yeah. like her, yeah, it's just like incredible to me that like things that she's done and the things that she's touched. And I really want to read her memoir, The Tenth Muse, My Life in Food. I love that. Thank you so much to Shopify for sponsoring today's episode. Anyone who has ever used Shopify as a vendor, um, 
knows very well the the beauty and the sometimes pain of the Shopify sales alerts that come to your the mobile push alerts. <laughs> because the the really amazing thing is if you're the type of sociopath who leaves the sound on on your phone, the sound alerts, it's a cha-ching, like a little cash <laughs> register. <laughs> Like a child's cash register noise yeah. is perfect. <laughs> I remember at a wedding sitting next to this woman who I had just met and she was telling me about her e-commerce business and how it was like growing and growing. And the sort of sign that it was growing was that her husband was like, you have to turn off the Shopify push alerts. It is getting insane and we are on vacation. And I was like, congratulations. Feels like a major milestone. Uh, Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses so that upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell anywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, effortlessly stay informed with dinging or not. Scaling (laughs) your business is a journey of endless possibility with a million milestones and constant evolution needs. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash a thing or two, all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash a thing or two right now. That's shopify.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much to Les Franz for sponsoring today's episode. When I was younger, I would have just been like, oh, I have straight fine hair, just like straight fine hair. It doesn't do Mm -hmm. anything. It doesn't like have any texture. But as I've gotten older, it's developed like, wave. It has like something going on. Um, and I like that. I like, like that it has a little bit more, you know, whatever natural texture, but it was a big transition of figuring out how to go from using products for straight, fine hair to figuring out like, how, Mm. how do I like foster this? What am I doing Mm -hmm. here? Because I've never had to, and I've never thought about it. I'm like, am I using straight curly haired products? Like, what am I doing? Um, and I feel like I just need that like guidance, the like thing that's like, here is the way to enhance what's happening. Well, Luz Brands is all about helping each person embrace and love their unique waves, curls, kinks, and coils. Their simple three-step system includes shampoo, conditioner, and an all-in-one styler, which does the job of leave-ins, mousses, and styling custards. Plus, Luz Brands products are free from harsh ingredients and are dermatologist-tested and approved and will improve the health of your hair over time. We are so excited about Luz Brands, and we're not the only ones. See for yourself why they have over 30,000 five-star reviews. Right now, our listeners can get 15% off your first purchase of $50 or more, but only when you go to lusbrands.com and enter promo code a thing or two. That's L-U-S brands with an S.com and promo code a thing or two. Don't wait, get 15% off with promo code a thing or two at lusbrands.com. That's L-U-S brands with an S.com. Have you been looking for a place to talk all things parenting? And I'm not talking about who makes the best stroller, but the really important stuff like how to be a better and more connected parent or how to raise children with empathy. Well, you are in the right place, folks. My name is Brandi Jordan, and I am a doula and parenting expert. And this is my show, Dear Doula. I will be giving you practical and impactful tips to parent with more joy, more calm, and more ease. I will also be talking to parents and experts who will be helping us to reimagine what it looks like to nurture ourselves and parent in more gentle and mindful ways. I am so excited to be in community with all of you. Can't wait to hear from you. The thing I was really made everybody listen to me talk about recently was this mm. book, Margiela, the Hermes Years, which actually it was a museum exhibition. And this book was just the, the companion book, which I pulled off the shelf at an Airbnb and then was like, can I email the Airbnb hosts and ask if I could just buy this from them? <laughs> 
ultimately and my just packing <laughs> in my suitcase. How I just wasn't finished with it. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. finished with it. Great news for everyone. I found it on the internet and bought it. So it's it's bit, it's about Margiela spent 12 seasons at Hermes between 1997 and 2003. First of all, I just had no idea um, that that was the case at all. But the story basically goes that in the mid 90s, all the old storied fas- luxury fashion houses were reviving themselves by hiring big name flashy designers. And this was just the playbook. So this was the Tom Ford for Gucci era. Mm. This was John Galliano for Dior, Alexander McQueen for Givenchy, Marc Jacobs for Louis Vuitton. And it was all, I mean, you remember the mid 90s. It was like flashy. It was big logos. It was sexy. It was spectacle. It was statusy, And like the whole- Loud, loud, It was loud. loud. And the yeah. whole Gucci revival was all about making G's really big again, making the logo really uh-huh. big. And then, so the CEO of Hermes appoints Martin Margiela, who at the time, like honestly was- he was known, he was famous, but mostly to fashion insiders. For being like niche. He was for famous being for niche. being like a niche fashion He fashion was an purchase. if you know, you know yeah. vibe through and through. And his whole thing was anti-logo. His whole thing was anonymity. Like no one had ever met him. No one had ever seen him. He didn't have Incredible. a logo. His whole, he, you know, to this day, his signature thing is these four white stitches on the back <laughs> of a garment that like signify where, you know, the tag would be. And that's how again, if you know, you know, you know that's a Margiela piece, but you would have no other way of knowing. Uh-huh. And he would, would respond to interview requests via fax in first person plural because it was like all about the team. And he was punk. He was avant-garde. He was like kind of messy. He would have shows in, in like warehouses and in very yeah. industrial spaces. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was having stores that were off the beaten path, not on the main street with all the other luxury stores. Still, still, still. Yes, yeah. yes. And then Hermes, while everybody else is, you know, hiring these big flashy names, Hermes, who's this, you know, super luxury brand, all about tradition, all about good taste, all about colorful printed silk scarves, is like, you know who we want? We want Margiela. And everybody's like, what? This is such a terrible, like, incongruous choice. This could never work. And it turns out to be this incredible collaboration between the CEO of Hermes and Margiela. And he... I mean, what's really satisfying about the story is that, and the book is that it does such a good job of zeroing in on like the tenets of what, of Margiela's design philosophy about like comfort and ease and like really catering to the wearer. And it's a very sort of feminist philosophy towards fashion. And so you see how he distills that and translates it to a luxury fashion house in a way that on the surface looks really different from his own line, but feels right for Hermes. And so the book is also, he's he's a really good designer and there's so many clever tricks he does and the sort of like DNA of what he did while he was there still exists at Hermes today. But it is creatively this really satisfying and inspiring book to read where you're like, oh, this is what it means to be like a true a true artist who really at, at their core cares about craftsmanship and believes in like a singular philosophy of their their craft, honestly. And it's just, it's so well, good. And it's like open to into interpreting in different yes. ways too. Yes. And like to not even be just hemmed in by his own line and what mm-hmm. he's doing. Like yes. I think it obviously says a lot about Hermes that they were interested in bringing him on, but then mm-hmm. also it says a lot about him that he was like, 
didn't just like outright reject this opportunity yes. when it would it wouldn't have made perfect sense for him to be like, no, I'm not right for this job. Like you guys are going to make me do X, Y, and Z that I don't want to do. But right. instead was like, oh, how do we, how do I make this interesting for me? That was really it. He was like, I'm up for the challenge. Like you guys stand for, you know, we, we have a lot of the same values in common, right? Like in craftsmanship and design and quality and luxury. And, and how do I adapt that for you. And there were clearly, there were obviously tensions and, and challenges in that. But then there are other people who do like things that feel completely incongruous. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I love, you know, obviously Stacey Abrams and mm. her romance career yes. as Selena Montgomery. Yes. Like that is just like incredibly iconic. And then I'm so charmed by the way that Serena and Venus Williams both have always approached and talked about their other interests. And they're like, yeah, we're amazing at tennis, but guess what else Mm -hmm. we're interested in? X, Y, and Z. Like I will never in my life forget this Vogue story from August, 2010 about this like profile of Serena. She was completing her certification for as a nail technician. Mm -hmm. And she talks like how much she loves, like not only just like nails, but like doing it herself. And so she gave the the interviewer a manicure. Like that (laughs) was like in Incredible. And how she like has a potential name for a salon picked out match point. Like it's just, it's so good. And she, you know, she and Venus both have pursued things. They have, they have clothing lines and they have those kinds of things for sure. But they also have things that, that like make it clear that they're not like branding ops or they're not Mm -hmm. like merchandise like Mm -hmm. plays. Venus has this interior design firm called V-Star Interiors that she started 20 years ago. Hmm. Wow. 2002, the same year she was ranked number one in the WTA. Incredible. Number one ranked, I'm going to launch an interior design firm. She, They have designed the spa at PGA National. They've designed Howard University's Burr Gymnasium. Like, wow. And I like that she's also done a couple of like kind of sport adjacent things. Mm-hmm. And she's like, mm-hmm. it's cool. It's interesting. Like, I don't know. Oh, you know who else is a really good example of this? Is David Lynch and his woodworking. Mm, yes. Yes. And like mm-hmm. his video, the videos of David mm-hmm. Lynch's woodworking mm-hmm. and all of that are just like, yeah, like this is a man who, this is a man who, you know, his brain works in like interesting and mysterious ways. And I like that he's just willing to follow a thread. Well, you know who we can add to this list now? Who? And you know, I, I've spoken about my complicated feelings about her, but Bella Hadid is going hard at glass blowing. Yes. <laughs> Yes, Bella. You know, who knows where she's going to go with that? Who knows how that could inform her work? God, Claire, at some point on this podcast, we talked about how like glass blowing thing feels like it's a next thing and never more than right now. Yeah. No, never Bella more than when Bella the posted her like crop top shots of glass blowing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> tremendous content. Absolutely tremendous content. Should we talk about the other sort of creative idea in the same vein that inspired us recently? Yeah. So just like in thinking about, you know, okay, what do you do with this? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you like, how are you opening yourself up to these things? We encountered in Rachel Tashian's newsletter, Opulent Tips, this idea of all caps, stroll, don't scroll. That just feels like those three words just feel so incredible and like yes. such a, like a, a, a motto for life, yes. um, especially yes. right now. Like let your brain or your Instagram or your like days be shaped by something that you choose right. as opposed to what the algorithm chooses for you. Even and if it's just, like inane or stupid or like whatever. And just like follow your slightest spark of interest to something. Like go stop yes. and see the thing. Like, I don't know if you're, I I always, like when I'm walking down the street in a foreign city, I will go in stores that have absolutely no 
like relevance to my personal interest just because I'm like, I don't know. I just want to know. You never know what you're going to find. You never know where it's going to lead you. Just stroll through to your interests. Well, like walk like walk to a neighborhood you haven't walked mm-hmm. in. You just like don't know what you're going to encounter. Like if you're yes. not following the path that is laid out for you truly by like your phone or, you know, the, the like Netflix cue or whatever it is, you're going to just encounter different things and think about things differently. And I think this comes out so much in Rachel's work in the and what she does in general. And she's a fashion writer for GQ for years, mm-hmm. and she recently moved to Harper's Bazaar. And her reviews, specifically of fashion shows, have just been so compelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of it is that I like Rachel's writing a lot and her sense of humor, but also she just like, she's able to put fashion in a broader cultural context. She's able to bring in references that are more mm-hmm. interesting and and can get at like what this means and what it says, in part because as she lays out in this newsletter, she is just like consuming all different kinds of things and not the yes. same things that maybe everyone yes. else is consuming. There were like a couple of recent reviews that I want to point people to. One is of the Christopher John Rogers show. And she's just like drawing out the idea of this like Zoomer doyen and the idea that like he's designing like gowns for a generation Mm -hmm. of people that like, what are they going to do with a gown? Like this doesn't even make sense for them. But she says... His stately clothes imply their wearer has some serious dignity about her self-presentation, even as she flounces past you in the most ridiculous stripes you've ever seen. That contradicts a lot of our easy assumptions about youth. And maybe this insight has been staring us right in the face. These people love old bars, they love martinis, they love caviar, and yet they are not conservative. Very curious and frankly, pretty exciting. I love it. And then she also wrote a piece about this Elsa Schiaparelli show in Paris that like this is someone who also just like I feel like fits this whole this whole model, Mm. the, you know, sort of Margiela model as well. Someone who just like was willing to like be in the art world and the fashion world and to try all these different things and to like work with sculpture and prints. And she says, what also makes the designer's works feel so urgent is the reemergence of the surreal. The global mood is a decidedly surrealist one with political, artistic, and pop cultural life all resembling a kind of dreamscape. So good. No, she's so good. really, she's really sharp. It reminds me, honestly, the other fashion critic who is writes in this same style as Robin Given, who also is just, she writes for the Washington Post and she actually now is the like, I think she doesn't write exclusively about fashion anymore. She's, I think, race, politics, culture critic, and she still writes about fashion, but she is one of the the best fashion critics writing right now, and it's because she has always paid a lot of attention to all of those other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much to Luz Brands for sponsoring today's episode. Erica, my Luz Brands products came in the mail Mm. the other day and I was so excited. I did the whole thing, the whole routine. And then I had this sick hair day. Like my hair looked so good. And then I had that thing that happens at the end of the day where I was like, wow, this looks awesome. I'm so excited. And I was like, I just had the best hair day and nobody saw it except Chris and Cam. And I, I was like, and those two don't count. They barely well, count. And then I know what you mean. You, you didn't leave know, the house. And then I did didn't say it out loud. I was like, I just had the best hair day and it was totally wasted because, and Chris was like, I noticed, which I was like, you know what? Thank you. That does me. He was like, I actually did notice we were sitting at dinner. You did like a big old hair flip and it was a good flip and your hair does look really good. And I was like, you know what? You just made it feel like less of a waste. It wasn't so thank wasted. you so much for that. Yeah, oh he my noticed. gosh. 
you know, I think Cam probably noticed too. He appreciates good hair. So he does. That man does appreciate good hair. It wasn't a total waste. Yeah. I'm super into it. The styling product, especially like really coats your curls and gives you like sort of like, I think the key for me that I've realized with any styling product is you can't do like too much finger combing. You want to keep your curls. Don't touch it too much. Yeah. Don't separate them too much. And Uh this stuff uh really works. Luz Brands is all about helping each person embrace and love their unique waves, curls, kinks, and coils. Their simple three-step system includes shampoo, conditioner, and that all-in-one styler Claire was talking about. Plus, Luz Brands products are free from harsh ingredients and are dermatologist-tested and improved and will improve the health of your hair over time. We love Luz Brands, and we're not the only ones. See for yourself why they have over 30,000 five-star reviews. Right now, our listeners can get 15% off their first purchase of $50 or more, but only when you go to luzbrands.com and enter promo code a thing or two. That's L-U-S brands with an S dot com and promo code a thing or two. Don't wait, get 15% off with promo code a thing or two at lesbrands.com. I The other thing that I like about this idea of stroll, don't scroll is I actually think it does also apply to Instagram in that to me, the most satisfying Instagram experience is falling down the rabbit hole of clicking on the different tags that you keep leading to and finding something cool there. Because as we all know, the algorithm is so screwy at this point and you're like, you're never getting fed what you actually want to see. I have also found a lot of really cool stuff by being like, whose baby shower is this person at that looks so chic? Who's this person who's being showered? And then being like, oh, what's on her profile? And like, and then what's that art on her wall? Yes, and, then and who's what is this that? artist? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I have found artists that way. Related to this, mm-hmm. our lovely podcast producer, Allie, emailed us about our Google Maps usage trick and basically saving places to visit later and and like how how she reacted to that. And she said, I'm shook at this mapping hack. I have never, I never even considered utilizing Google Maps to this effect, organized whimsy. And the words organized whimsy, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, this feels, this feels extremely applicable mm-hmm. to so many things. Yes. Like, yes. I think that is what is compelling about saving things to Google Maps for sure, of being like, I, who knows when I will land in this place or this neighborhood, but this will be waiting for me. This right. thing that I like flagged as potentially interesting mm-hmm. will just be ready and waiting for me. But also like, there's just a bunch of ways to like, think about this. To set yourself up for the best possible scenario of being a little less structured. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So something that I do is on my fo- like in my phone notes, I mm-hmm. start a new note each month that just mm-hmm. is like August. Mm-hmm. And when someone tells me something or when I read something that I think is interesting and that I want to like look more into later, and maybe it's like I'm out to dinner with a friend and they say something, or I'm reading like an article in the morning but have to get started with my work day, I'll just jot it down mm-hmm. on that note. And then at some point, when mm-hmm. I've like have the time, I'll go back in and search for those things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll give myself like a context clue or two to be like, what is this in reference to? Right. Or like, is this, because sometimes I'll be like, is this a person, place or thing? Like right. when I like <laughs> uh-huh. encounter uh-huh. it again, where I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then sometimes mm-hmm. you search for things and be like, still don't know what this yep. is. So mm-hmm. like a tiny clue yes. is like something, something TV or like whatever is helpful but it's just, I don't trust my memory at this point to retain mm-hmm. those things and find it helpful to like have a starting point when I'm like, yeah, I want to see something interesting. I mean, it might I, be interesting. The iPhone notes app in general is such a valuable tool in this because it's so easily searchable. And the number of iPhone notes, I mean, you know, I keep a list of things I want to watch. You know, it just anytime I see, I'm like, oh, that's something that I should, I should watch yes. at some point because 
then the rare occasion I do get to just sit down on the couch, I can just look at that thing. I really like iPhone notes as a form of of organized whimsy in general. They are an incredible archive too of just life of grocery lists and to-dos and, you know, quotes you want to remember. Another take on this that we came across recently that really blew my mind. So we've talked about this before. We produced this podcast for Jenny Kane Home called Details Matter. We're working on the second season. When this podcast comes out, it will be out. And we were interviewing the amazing Amanda Gunawan, who is an architect and designer. And she was talking about, you know, where she gets her inspiration. And she, I can't remember the exact turn of phrase she used, but she basically trains her algorithm. I like to think of it as like bossing around the algorithm. And basically she's like, every Sunday I take the time to tell the algorithm what I like and what I don't like. And she's like, I just go in and I like unfollow stuff I don't want to see. I like stuff I want to see so that it will serve me only the things I want to see. And she's like, and my tastes change. And so I- It's an evolving process. It's an evolving process. But she's like, it's so- Otherwise, you're at a Vegas buffet. And it's really tempting when you're at a Vegas buffet to try all the things, even the things you don't really like, but you're like, but the crab's right there. And so I'm going to try it anyway. Well, and the she's crab's like, going to be delicious. That's well, not the true. problem. Well, true. But she's but like- the, But the bacon yeah. at a Vegas buffet, you don't need. That's probably not your answer. That's, it's true. You can get it anywhere. And I just love this idea of like, if we're, if we do need to use Instagram, even though, you know, it kind of drives us insane. We're lo- a bit loathe to. A bit yeah. loath to. Can we sort of take the reins a little bit and like really be specific about what we want to see? And I love the idea that she's like, I want to make it really focused because part of the challenge of these platforms is just getting hit with so much stuff and trying to discern what it is you actually like versus just like what you think is cool and like trying to really hone in on your tastes that way. It felt like it was straddling both stroll, don't scroll and organized whimsy of just like, let's give yourself a path here. I have never been a TikTok person, but I've been getting a little bit more into it lately. And I've been really aggressive about training the algorithm that I, oh, same, that I only want to see celebrity gossip on it. I tell it I only want to see animals. Like if it mm-hmm. if it if it opens with a person, yeah. get me out of there. Like yes, and that's now how I feel. it's pretty much a, it, it's pretty much exclusively serving me animals eating snacks, uh-huh. which is even better. I an, animals eating snacks is like our Venn diagram when it, because I'm not really into cute animal stuff, but I love animals eating. Turtles eating. Oh, oh that is your that is your animal sweet spot for sure. But so I well, I've been telling TikTok, and to be honest, it's still trying to feed me other stuff. And I'm a little where I'm a little frustrated with it right it's, now. That's the problem because you give it a week and then yeah. it's like, but maybe now you yeah. want to watch this weight loss video. Oh, and you're like, God. no, get no. it out of here. It's actually it's not even the celebrity gossip that I want from TikTok, but TikTok has really good just like celebrity footage. Like the Harry Styles concert <laughs> footage is incredible. So that's actually the prime, that's my, that is the primary thing that TikTok, and now even Instagram serves me a lot of is Harry Styles concert footage. If I can get footage of Harry, of like Olivia Wilde at a Harry Styles concert, even better. But there was a lot of really good JLo and Ben Paris honeymoon content uh-huh, uh-huh. that I was being served naturally. So then I was like, ooh, 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 yes, more of this. How do I get more of this stuff that I want? It's great. And that's that's what I've decided TikTok is going to be for me. I'm really bossing around that algorithm with some some success. And I'm trying to be better too with Instagram of just being like, here is the aesthetic I want to see. Here are the things, you know, the, the people. And well, I it's like see. almost programming them to be a single channel, like a single television mm-hmm. channel, yes. right? I want to be able to turn it on and know what I'm getting and feel great about that. 
I mean, well, speaking of, okay, that the this this is a form of organized whimsy. We interviewed Taylor Lorenz years ago who reports on internet culture basically, and she has about 12 different Instagram accounts for At the any different given time. Yeah, for yeah. the different beats. So she's got one where she follows all the, you know, teens. She's got one where she that she follows for gamers and all of this different stuff so that she can go in and scroll and get that type of content that she wants, which it requires some work and some dedication, but it's a smart approach to it, especially for someone like her. I mean, the easiest way for me to at least put my foot down around the algorithm is at least just to choose the following yes. from the Instagram yeah. drop yeah. down. And it's like, it's purposely bad UX. Mm-hmm. And, but if you actively do it for a couple of days, at least in my case, mm-hmm. if I like look at Instagram in the morning and then look at Instagram at night, I will meet the content that it, it oh yes because it yes. serves because it serves things chronologically you know mm-hmm. you'll like come up you'll come up against the content that yeah. you last saw and I will realize just how few posts there are mm-hmm. in the scheme of things that are things that I actively chose to follow yes. and like chose to see versus what's being like foisted upon me and it makes me angrier and makes me feel more compelled to participate in that way it's an incredibly nostalgic feeling to run up against old content in your RSS feed that is something that used to happen all the time where you would yeah. run up against content you've seen already and you're like, okay, I've seen it all. Now it never happens in any context. And wow, what a novel thing. By the time this podcast comes out, we'll be at a totally new chapter of this discourse. But as we record the whole like make Instagram Instagram again, not TikTok is really having a moment on Instagram. And I'm curious to see where it all goes. I took note that both Kylie and Kim posted a graphic about it. And I mm. think that, it's pretty much accepted as fact that Kylie single-handedly tanked Snapchat. So I feel like it Instagram is. I feel like Instagram has to pay attention to Kylie in this situation. I hope Kylie starts a change.org petition. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> I hope so too. <sighs> All right. Anyway, that's, that's the show. show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. Hold up. 